Just bleep it, bleep, bleep, bleep. And then we're going to talk about Jesus, folks. <laughs> That is awesome. That's such a contradiction. I know, right? That is a little bit how I am. So, be owning my truth, I guess. I guess so. I like Jesus and I cuss a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I like to drink wine, too. Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right, ready? (laughs) Yep. Okay. and welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the Executive Director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the Ambitious Angel Mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everybody. Hi. How how are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. These afternoon podcasts bring the energy. Well, that and our guest. And our guest. Yes, really, it's like... (laughs) Vibing off of her energy. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean. Amazing. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So, folks, uh, we want to thank you for, for hopping on. We had uh, we had a lovely uh, lady named Tiffany Evans, and you know her how? She is my sister from another mister. There you go. There you go. <laughs> they know each other, have known oh. each other for a long period of time. We tried to dive into the amount of years that they knew each other, but they had lost that already. So Yeah, they, I mean. They just know each other for our long lives. Time. Yeah, long yeah. time. Yes. Long time. Um, so, yeah, we, we sat down with Tiffany. Um, last week, we did a podcast for those who listened to it that was called The Man in the Arena. And it was a podcast that played off of an original uh, speech, not really even a quote. It was a law. It was a speech uh, from Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. Where he talked about, um, unless you're the man in the re- in the arena going through everything. What was the line? Your favorite line in it? Unless you've got the blood and the sweat and the tears and the Mars on your face, you do not get an opinion. That is correct. So there it is. And folks, Tiffany is actually the person that introduced this speech to me by Teddy Roosevelt. And I was so blown away by it that I had to introduce it to Philip. And um, she's here with us today. So she's going to talk really stemming off of that whole speech and where it comes from and your values and really how it ties into grief. And mm-hmm. she she lost her dad at, um, well, 11 years ago, and she's going to share that with you. So really just her experience and involvement, really evolving over yeah. the last 11 years in yeah. her grief and finding out who she is and then, um, yeah, leading with vulnerability right. and finding courage to heal and move forward. Yeah. So, so uh, we had a literal two-hour conversation mm-hmm. with Tiffany, and I had a feeling that her and, and Bryn probably could have gone another hour. So we ended up cutting them <laughs> off yeah. at two hours. But what we did was we broke it up into two because it really is kind of two podcasts. There's, there's one that is about finding your courage, specifically finding your courage amidst grief, um, and and how to get there, and then the second part is uh, vulnerability, which you can't. And in in, in in Tiffany's assertion, you can't really find courage unless you display vulnerability, unless you actually mm-hmm. let down the armor. Let down the armor. Talk about that a lot. So that's basically what we do. This week we're going to talk about finding courage, and then next week we're going to talk about being vulnerable and what it is like to be vulnerable and what that looks like, and really the definitions of vulnerability and courage, because. She's a wordsmith, that is for sure. Yes. And the definitions for her that are uh, that are courage and vulnerability may not be necessarily the classical definitions that you think of them. Mm-hmm. So it's very neat to kind of to kind of talk about that. Um, it's a it's a first conversation is a good one. It's a it's a it's a long one. So we're not going to talk to you more. You're gonna nope. you're gonna listen to her talk about everything, and uh, you're gonna be motivated. I guarantee it. Our wild woman of God evolving. That's oh yeah, title. yeah. So she get uh, before we ties to her. Let's just do that. She has a name for herself, the wild woman of God evolving. And uh, you'll hear, I clearly got the definition of that wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll let her actually define that for you. But um, yeah, let let her talk a little bit out. Here it is, the wild woman of God evolving. Tiffany Evans. Tiffany Evans. Okay, so we are here with the Wild Woman of God Evolving. Boom, nailed it on the first try. Uh, Tiffany Evans, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, how do you know Bryn? How do you guys know each other? 
Bryn is my Svelto Sistra, is what I call her. <laughs> she, um, my daddy, who I actually consider to be our daddy, fell in love with her mama. And um, so Bryn came into my life at the super, super awkward phase where you're trying to be a girl and we had the the pencil eyebrows and we were oh, we were looking real okay. not we saw some cute. pictures the other day and we were like yeah that that real fun face so Britt and i came in and i mean i guess if you love each other in that phase that makes you a sister right mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and we were the same age so mm-hmm. when our parents were together i mean we were obviously like grew up in different schools and stuff but yeah we had like a sisterhood love probably just because i loved her dad and she loved my mom and um yeah it's just evolved with our relationship and i feel like now we're way closer than we ever were as kids you know true so sure. then how long is that it's it's been a long time yeah oh geez I we're don't gonna know. get into that because oh, we um <laughs> well i would say our parents dated for 10 years before he passed at least no way more before that because we were like what 12 or 13 i was 26 when he passed so mm-hmm. It's been a long so time. So it's been it's like been a good amount of time. Of our, I would say like a, most of our lives, okay. we've known each okay. other, and, and <laughs> I just want to share with our listeners that um, Tiffany, being somebody that I could lean on when I lost Rowan, has been a huge part of not only having she was part of my support system with my grief, mm-hmm. um, because as you're going to hear, she lost her daddy, um, and her dad was her person and her rock, which she's going to share. So I don't want to steal the thunder, but. When I needed help in my grief and didn't know where to turn, it was Tiffany that really helped lead me and guide me through those first few months. And then even throughout the years, us just getting together um, to heal with one another has been amazing. So she is so insightful. She's so powerful. And she's wise beyond her years. So I'm excited (laughs) that you guys get to hear just her talk because she teaches me so much whenever I'm in her presence that it like blows my mind. Okay. Um, And I can't wait for you guys to experience that because she's. Let's talk about, let's talk about how we introed you. Wild woman of God evolving. Mm -hmm. What, what does that mean? Why, why is that your title? Are you sure you want to start there? Because this is a deep dive on Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, starting on, I'm a word nerd, and, and definitions are so important to me. Okay. So wild for me means I'm innate nature. So the innate nature of, of who I am, I my innate nature, I think, is wild. It, it is a freedom. It's one of my core values. My two core values are freedom or authenticity, which we're going to get into later. Mm-hmm. But I'm... Um, so wild is a part of that, and I'm woman, obviously. I'm a woman, but there is a, a sacredness to being a woman, and I think there's a journey we take as women that is unique to us mm-hmm. alone, which I think men also have. There's a sacred masculinity, sacred femininity, and mm. um, so so being a woman is a defining characteristic of who I am. And then of God, I am I am a wild woman of God, but evolving is the important part, and I think I've always struggled with titles and being boxed in by them. Mm-hmm. I'm... I've been called many things, enigma, uh, paradox, because many things about me are contrary. So I think that that is um, doing deep dives that that were days and, and did not come with the introduction of this podcast. But that that really narrows down who the heart and the core of, of who I am. Okay, that's awesome. So you had, so Bryn hit on it, uh, you had someone in your life that you lost. Can you talk a little bit about that? Share that story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my daddy... Uh, Tim Evans, he was uh, my hero. I think if you look up Daddy's Girl in the dictionary, you're going to find a picture of us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I share him. I think that he is Bryn's daddy, too. I saw the same love and protection over her, and I think that's kind of what bonded us. She's right. We do share. We just had the 11th anniversary, which um, is shocking. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I... Every year is different. Every anniversary is different, which I've heard you talk about on the podcast. And this year it felt right to be with them. Oh. And I'm the first, the first anniversary that I spent with them though. And, the, and I mean, this just speaks on who you are and, and why she's my sister. But the first anniversary I spent with, with 
my Sveltosistra, which means sister of light okay, in Serbian. Go. That's yeah, why I, I got to tell you, I was like, well, I don't know where. <laughs> I know she learned, and, and learned all the time. Is like, you have all these words because yeah. I'm, I'm half Serbian. And um, so the people I love most and are dearest to me, they end up with a Serb name. Her mom, um, I call my Bushamika, which means like mother of my soul. So okay. I have my sister of light and the mother of my soul. Oh, okay. Yes. That's awesome. So I'm a ray of light. You are. <laughs> you are shining out of the darkness yeah, for yeah. real. Um, but the, the, the first anniversary I spent with them was um, the year you lost Rowan. And I came mm. to their house and and knowing that they had suffered a loss with my father that I had. And um, they sat with me on that day in my grief and we watched the video of him. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and we sat in his memory together. And I, I mean, anybody that suffered a loss or sat through it, you know, to be in your own loss, to be in your own hurt, to be in your own darkness and hold space for someone else and sit in their darkness with them, you know, that is, that's everything. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's your family, that's your tribe. And, mm -hmm. and in that moment I knew, um, these were wild women of God. This was my tribe and they're the most courageous women I've known. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, you're so sweet. The thing that always comes up on these podcasts is how, uh, it's, it's, it's so much, easier to have somebody who's who's lost somebody and it's really fresh and and it's it's you know something that literally just happened how much easier it is for them to be able to be talked to by somebody who has also felt that loss as well did you find is that kind of also maybe where that came from a little bit you you were experiencing loss you had experienced a loss there's something that you can actually literally actually talk to talk about i mean i, I get, yeah in in a way i think there was a I think that that is true. There's definitely truth to that. I think with uh, with Bryn and with my Busha, it was deeper because because it was um, it was a shared loss, but it also was yeah. It's it's something beyond words mm -hmm. um, because we had a deeper connection than just sharing loss. We lost the same person, um, and even though he played a different role in all of our lives, and and Rowan plays a different role in all of our lives, it. It was more. It was before the loss. There was yeah. the tie before that. So um, it, it's also the gift of that perspective. You know, they sharing parts of my daddy that I didn't know and me sharing parts that they didn't know. And it, it becomes life-giving mm -hmm. for me in, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is. Yeah, that's that pretty neat. Cool. Did you find that as well? Like when you sat down and you were trying to work through it? You found that that uh, people just like Tiffany who had experienced that you could actually not lean on them a little more, or you didn't have to. F I guess the best way to put it is you don't have to fill in the gaps. You don't have mm -hmm. to explain something that Correct. is is yeah. unexplainable almost, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it is just comfort in itself, knowing that somebody knows what you're actually experiencing and like what grief feels like. For me, it you don't want it to be comforting because you don't want anybody that you love or know to have to experience that. But like right. just Tiffany's presence, no matter where we were or when I saw her after Rowan passed away, you're a comforting person and you bring a peace about you because I can look at you and know that like you're still making it through day by day. And I know how broken you were after the yeah. loss of your dad. Yeah. And I looked at you as like a survivor and you offered me hope because she was farther along in her grieving process. Mm -hmm. And obviously our grief is different in many ways, but at the same time, it's so similar. And there's so many things like the feelings are the same. Mm -hmm. So looking at her and being like, okay, she's, she's somebody that doesn't even have to say a word and she's bringing me comfort yeah. right now, yeah. just being here. I think that's that. And that's the power of, I, I feel the exact same thing when I'm mm -hmm. with, when I'm with you and Bouchard, but it's also, Never underestimate the power of people in your life that you don't have to be anything with. I can show up yeah, with yeah. with Bryn and Bouchard and when when I am with them, when I'm around them, yep. you're you're free. They yeah. hold space for me to be whatever I need to be. If it's mm -hmm. angry, if it is um if I cry, or we can sit in silence with each other. Yeah. And that that is so powerful yeah. to have people in your life in that time that you can that you're able to just sit in silence with. You don't even have to say a word if you don't need to, but just having them in a room with me yeah. um, made me 
stronger. Yeah, that takes a lot of trust. Like and there's like five people in your life that you actually if you're lucky, like you have you get trust one with. person, and that's <laughs> right. what Daddy used to say was, yeah. you know, at the end of your life, if if you have one friend, you have like the biggest treasure in the world. And you know, I he left me those people behind and and connected us. But I think five is, I mean. You're yeah. the richest man in the world. You yeah. got five in your corner. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. I actually have a question because I want to talk about, I want to actually get into uh, your dad and the relationship you had with him. But I actually have a question, Tiffany, to you about Bryn. Oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, can you talk, because one of the things, we just had our wine out on Saturday, and one of the things that struck me is before the show, I'm going to take a little bit here, so give me some, give me a runway. So before the show, we had to, I had to put together a slideshow of the angels who've, whose families we've helped this year, 2020. So you're talking about folks who literally lost a child three months ago, mm. right? And it, it, they are at the beginning stages of, we've gone through this podcast a ton of, of, of everything that Brynn has talked about up to this point. Can you, and what, what struck me is, as we're going through wine night and looking over at Brynn, I thought, wow, like I've known Brynn four or five years after an accident, the accident with mm -hmm. Rowan. Mm -hmm. the, and it made me think of like, where, where was she? When the when when these slides were happening, like when it was her time, can you talk a little bit about her evolution as like where she is today versus where she was then? I mean, how much Dang. time you got? <laughs> it's a, Bryn is the most courageous woman I know. But but you ask, you know, who who's the leader or your favorite examples of leadership? It's Bryn. It's a hundred percent Bryn because I know before she lost Rowan, I'm. There was, she's, she's always been fiercely loyal. I mean, fiercely yeah. loyal. I will never walk out of a room and God help you if you talk about me when I am not there because yeah. my sister will like yeah. tear you to the ground. Like she is yeah, a humble yeah. woman, but do yeah. not, don't cross her loved ones. Yeah. Um, that's been a defining characteristic of her, but there is a, and I think we've talked about this before, but there, there is a compassion, there is an empathy and there is a beautiful softening and revealing of people who have experienced profound loss. And um, her, she became my Sveltosistra after Rowan died because mm. um, there's even a verse in the Bible that talks about, I think it's in John, and it's about like, um, make me a a blair, like a blazing light that comes out of the darkness. And that's how she became my Sveltosistra because when, when I came um, I, I did the massage and you talked about it in one of the podcasts, but God mm -hmm. just put it on my heart. Like, cause in this moment, you know, I, I was working with Bouchard and I was at work and they told me, and I'm, when someone you love faces this loss, you're just like having already experienced a loss. I knew there was nothing I could say. I knew there was nothing I could do. And so in that moment, you're like, God, what do I do right now? Like, how can I help? What can I do? And God was like, reach out, massage him. So I actually reached out to her sister, Sam. Um, and said, hey, if they're open to it. And she's like, I'm sure they would love it. And then because I didn't, even though they're my family, um, I, I know the swarm that comes with loss. And I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to be a pressure. I didn't want to, I wanted to be supportive, but I didn't want to be somebody else in on it. So yeah, to like add to the noise. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's so, I, I just, I know that cyclone in that moment. And um, so I reached out to her and when, and then we connected, we reconnected from there and then Brim reached out. So I kind of waited for that. And, um, and when I came, it, it was that time in that massage. And that's when she became my Sveltosistra because she, she decided in, in that, in her loss, um, you talked about the run. Like that's when the, when the conversation started in that moment. And that was so fresh and so new, but she was like, I'm going to do a run. I'm going to do like something. And, and it wasn't the, yeah, this the, was like right after this Rowan was passed. right wow. after Rowan passed. Wow. But she had decided in that moment, um, this is not going to be, this is not going to be how Rowan's remembered. Like mm. this is not, this is not her legacy. This is not. And I remember just standing there and looking at her and just being like, I mean, in awe of, of her spirit, of her will, of the indomitable will of her spirit, you know, and the light. Cry. I know. <laughs> Maybe I was just like, you know, and, and, um, that, you know, that's when she became my sister of light was in that moment. But the, and it's, it's the leadership since then. And now I think, 
I'm walking out my own my my own truth and and my own values and and realizing how hard it is and going back and reliving it and the courage it takes to do that and the the strength like that like she is my example of leadership because well, she just go. keeps showing up. There you go. Thank you. That is really <laughs> good. Making me emotional over here. Wow. Wow. I wasn't expecting to talk I, about me today, you guys. <laughs> We're here to talk about Tiffany. Well, we, oh, we, you we, are. Thank you. I mean, you are, and that's and the forward I was going to have you read. It, it it is. It talks about you can't. I'm so, and this is a line out of it, but it's I am so interwoven with the love of my sisterhood that you can't know me without also knowing a piece of them. Mm. And that's that. I mean, she's it, she's a part of it. She's so yeah. interwoven, like your love into me and Bouchard into me that you can't know me without knowing a piece yeah. of them. Yeah. We've yeah. gone, we've gone 16 minutes and we haven't actually talked about your dad <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. So how about we do that? Sure, sure. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about your dad. Okay. So I'm, my daddy, like I said, he was my hero. He, I lost him 11 years ago. I, when he passed, he was in the Sawtooth Wilderness mm. with um, my cousins and his brothers. He had a stroke um, and blood clot simultaneously. So, wow. uh, but they were so high up that um, my uncle, his oldest brother, my uncle Brian, he actually tried to resuscitate him for 30 minutes, um, couldn't. And they had to put him on our mule oh and pack him to the bottom of the mountain. Um, and his other brother, my Uncle Dave, was there with him as well. And my Uncle Rick, who's like his best friend. Um, so, And they're more like brothers. They're not, you know, yeah, it's a cousin, yeah. but it's that cousin that you is are. always hanging out at the house. You're yeah. inseparable from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so then they got to the bottom. They had to call the paramedics. They came. Um, and, and when they did the autopsy, too, they... They said, you know, even if he had been in a hospital and it had happened, you couldn't have saved him. Wow. However, because of the way he went, um, if if my daddy sat down with Jesus and was like, here's how I want to go, that would have been it. Okay. Um, but I, where I was at in that situation is I was married at the time um, and we were divorced now, but I had just become a mother. My son was one day from being one month old. My husband at the time was deployed in Afghanistan. Mm. He was a sniper in the striker brigade. So in action, so you're you're waiting for those phone calls. You you dread a soldier coming up to your door. It it was a very stressful time anyway. And my my baby brother, uh, Dawson, my little brother, called me and um it's it's that phone call you never forget. Yeah. And he said I was like, what? I was like, hey, like, what's up? And I could, and he just, just right out, which is, is how I like things. But he said, Tiff, dad's dead. Jeez. And I said, wow, that's delicious. what? I was like, well, and, and I mean, if you know me, that's come with it like that yeah, because yeah. time, time is what I value. Yeah. And it's like, don't, like, I can't, I don't have the patience or the attention span for you to talk around something like come at it and trust that I'm going to ask you questions from there. Sure. That's respectful to me. Um, so I was like, what do you mean? And, and it's that denial of like, how do you know? Who told you? Because I knew he was hunting. He had spent his last night before he went into the mountains. Um, after my son was born, he was there for the birth. Um, and he stopped by every single day. But he would usually stop by because he, I mean, if you know an Evans man, they're, they always have projects. They're busy bodies. Mm-hmm. They're, now is the best time. If you need something done, you're doing it right then. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing it till it's done. Mm-hmm. And that that's mm-hmm. just them. Um. But the last day before he went, uh, he was actually supposed to go have dinner with Bouchard. And he had texted her and he's like, hey, I'm at TIFF, so I'm going to stay a little later. And she's like, you know, don't even worry about it. Like, I get it because he was there. And he actually stayed for hours um, that night, late into the night, to where I was like, just stay the night, just stay the night. And uh, um, on our hike that we just took on uh, beforehand and then the 11th anniversary we spent together, she's like, do you think he knew? And I was like, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it's just one of those things that becomes fortuitous. Mm. And, um, so I had gotten that whole night with him. Uh, and then my brother, and this is the weird thing about grief is I, I, I was like, no, I, I thought I just said no. And then I remember going, I, I don't really remember hanging up the phone. Um, and then I went into my son's room, he was napping and my, my mother-in-law was there with me at the time, my sister-in-law and her wife. 
And I curled up on the ground in front of my son's crib and I just kept saying no over and over and over again. Um, and they, they didn't even know what happened. And my brother said I started screaming on the phone. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't scream. Huh. And he said, Tiff, it's a sound that's going to haunt me for the rest of oh, my wow. life. Wow. Like it, and, um, and the other people there affirmed, like, yeah, you were screaming. But I don't – even to this day, I don't – Wow. I don't remember it. Um, and then it – I don't know how long I laid there. And then at some point, something um, – because him and Bouchard weren't married, even though he'd, he'd spoken about it. Um, so – being the eldest, at some point, something just clicked, and I sat up, and I was like, I have to call the Red Cross. I have to call over um, on that side of the mountains and arrange things, and I just went from that from that point, something clicked, and it went into survival mode, like yeah. planning and survival. Yes, planned. Like, okay, like, where is he? What do I need to do? And But it, it gave me something to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you... How, can you describe as you're going through this that afterward, after you've, you've figured out the news and you're just going through this little by little, you are in planning mode. Can you describe the sort of feelings that are happening to you as you're planning it? Um, maybe, you know, when was the moment when you when you took a breath and it became overwhelming? Can you talk a little bit about some of the feelings that came after? Yeah, for after sure. Everything? Um, well, I mean, by the grace of God, my daddy's from a big family, and um, I let them help. My uncle wrote the obituary. My auntie put together the pamphlet, um, and I let them. I let them help because I knew I knew that they had a loss, too. Uh, my family came together. They decorated. They had the things reserved. My uncle did the headstone, um, and and I let them all because I— I knew I wasn't the only person in that moment right. facing a loss. I was a new mother. I had a brand new baby. Yeah. Um, and I just, the only feeling I can, I can share is um, lost. I felt completely lost mm. every, my daddy was not just my hero. He was the mirror. I looked in every day to gauge where I was at. And um, that mirror was gone. Yeah. And I felt like it was like learning how to walk all over again. I questioned mm. Everything. I mean, and, and before this, I was such a sure of myself woman. Yeah. Um, but he was my safety net. And it's because I always knew he was going to be there to catch me. And it yeah. felt like I was on a tightrope. The safety net was dropped. I didn't even know if I could actually tightrope walk in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up on a horse. My daddy had me on a horse literally before I could walk. Like yeah. I was crawling. I was on a horse. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was leading me around. I'd had my same horse for... Um, over 15 years at that point. And I felt fear the first time I got on her and I've never felt fear on a horse because I didn't know if I could really ride or if I just thought I could ride because I always knew he'd be there to catch me. And so um, it was being a mom, finding my role as a mom, and then learning, learning how to walk all over again. And, and your whole your whole reality that you think is what, what you think the world is, what you think everything around you is in a moment, nothing changes, but nothing looks the same. It's not familiar. You mm-hmm. don't even recognize yourself. You don't recognize the people around you. It's it's like in the movies when like the pixels go down, you know, and they're sit, they're standing in this blank world and you're looking at everything around you and, and everybody's going on, about life and you're just like who are you what is going on like what like this isn't even real it doesn't it's not real life like you're just in this smoke-filled haze and mm-hmm. and that lasted for a year and i think that's the gift of the first year is um you're in a fog you i didn't process anything it wasn't real i didn't get overwhelmed because i was so shocked and i'm um, distorted by the world around me. I knew I knew nothing including who I was anymore. It 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 was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that so that segues into the finding courage part. Mm-hmm. Uh because when Bryn told me that this was the subject you wanted to talk about, I was fascinated right away. Because I mean, the concept the regular concept of courage, like you go do something even if you're scared. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's courage. Being afraid and saddling up anyway. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, Do it concept, that concept is something that I think a lot of people today, especially, are looking for, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. there are lots of people who are walking around scared of this or scared of that and and they don't know how to do it trying to do that in the face of loss to me was was just fascinating what is it that um that made you come to realize that courage was super important to being able to get through this process so first i think we have to define courage yeah okay that's a good start okay yeah so that we all know we're talking about the same thing so um brene brown who who is a amazing oh she's amazing if you haven't yeah just Check out the Netflix show. It's get awesome. on the Brene Brown train, okay? Because you guys, I'm behind. I need yeah, to get on this. Yeah, you need to check it out. Oh, it, she's pretty. Girl, she's pretty solid. Well, yeah. she's yeah. pretty He's solid. Been telling me, and I, yeah. I really need to just make this happen. You, you need to watch the Netflix thing. I, she crushes it in life. It's really so good. she. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much so much to her, but her definition. She's a. If you don't know who Brene is, she's a shame and vulnerability researcher. Mm. Um, oh. And that, that's how she says on airplanes. She gets people, she's like, depends on if I want to talk. If I don't want to talk, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I research shame and vulnerability. And, and then they like, go, oh, sure. They just stop. <laughs> so, yeah. She's like, you know, it depends on where I'm yeah, at. Yeah. But um, so she defines courage as a willingness to show up and be seen when you can't control the outcome. But what she's realized in her research in all these years is there is no courage without vulnerability. Mm. You you cannot. And she's mm. and she in in our culture there is this belief that that strength courage, vulnerability is weakness. Yes. And and when you're strong and when you're strength you have no vulnerabilities. But actually the research she's done over all these years have scientifically proven the opposite. And yeah. um vulnerability and this will make sense, this is where they tie together, is that vulnerability is defined as an emotion we experience during times of risk and emotional exposure. And Mm -hmm. so it's feeling that and then the willingness to show up and be seen when you can't control the outcome from that feeling of of being exposed. Um, So So what is it about that type of courage that you think is like the driving force behind being able to heal? So... They say the treasure you seek lies in the cave you fear to enter. If if healing is the treasure that you're seeking, pain really is the cave for me that I feared to enter. Mm-hmm. Was was sitting with the truth and the reality um, that my daddy was gone. That and also the truth that like. I had no idea who I was. My identity was solely not not a little bit made up of being his daughter, uh-huh. but everything about my being. I didn't take my car to get the oil change without calling yeah, him first yeah, and yeah. checking in with the the any decision I made in my life that was of impact. I called him, yeah. and when that was gone, it's like. Yoda's gone and you're a Jedi and what do you really know when you're going into battle? But now I was a mother Mm -hmm. who was leading my own child. And the healing for me came when I, my, is, is when I made the decision to get to know myself and face myself and be vulnerable with myself first and take an honest look at the beliefs at my own core beliefs yeah. of of the things that I had believed just because they were told to me and test them. And yeah. but this is piece by piece by piece from ground zero. I think that's also the gift of loss is in that moment for me. Um some people choose to be courageous and to be vulnerable um, and drop their armor. My daddy was my armor and it was stripped and taken from me. And in that So by not by choice you were already exposed basically. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was, but that's the, you know, the man in the arena that Brene goes by and I saw on your guys' mm-hmm. post. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Tim, for that. Yeah, yeah. Great uh, Thanks, Brene, for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I mean, it leads me to, but basically I, I had the loss and I found myself on the floor in the arena and I probably honestly spent a year on the ground in the yeah. arena looking around and I think courage is the choice that I made from that place of, am I going to armor up and armor can be, am I going to drink? Am I going to escape and partying? Am I going to numb myself? Am I going to drug myself? Am I going to eat myself? Am I going to get into a relationship? Am I going to put somebody else in this role that was taken from me Uh and define myself on their opinion of me? 
am I going to go in the stands and judge everybody else's journey? Because it's easier. It's easier in the cheap seats. You yeah. get a you get to evaluate everybody else's journey. You know, do I want to judge how my family's dealing with grief or how the people that are kind of close to me but not really close to me and what they're saying is, am, am I going to judge their journey? Or am I going to stand up, figure out who I am, and stay in this arena and fight? And uh, and it's a choice. That's a choice. Did you lose people along the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not. Brene says, and it's the truth, um, you're going to get your butt kicked in the arena, period. It's, it's not an if. It's a win. Mm-hmm. And part of that and part of looking at yourself and, and knowing who you are is – and being vulnerable is you have to look at the people around you. And there's that quote that's like, are you depressed or are you just surrounded by (laughs) a-holes? You know, and it's it's people that aren't willing to um, face your reality with you, you know, and it wasn't out of a place of, of them being mean or ornery, but like right off the bat after I lost Rowan, I realized that a, a big chunk of the people I hung out with and spent time with, like, could not be with me, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like they couldn't handle it. And even if they like showed up and they tried, yeah, they, um, it just wasn't going to work. And, um, so there was a lot of friendships that I pushed mm-hmm. to the side or distanced myself from. And I think you have to, when you're consumed by your grief, because you're solely focused on healing. And like you said, you're in the arena and you feel by yourself, but you need to pick like those core people that can be in the arena with you. Mm-hmm. And if they can't handle it and they can't do the blood and the sweat and the tears, like mm-hmm. you said, and the dirt on your face and you like the real an raw, dirty truth, then they don't, they don't need an opinion and they don't get an opinion. Yeah. And, and I loved bigger. when you said that because it came so crystal clear to me yes. how much that related to grief. Yeah. That's why I was like, we are talking about the man in the arena. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, not very many people can handle it. Mm-hmm. Not very many people can sit in the arena with somebody that has suffered deep, deep loss, and it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Absolutely. But, but you don't get an opinion. Then. You don't get an. Opinion. You don't get input on my life in that mm-hmm. point. It isn't. And I think a lot of people um, in humanity, we fear pain. We fear mm-hmm. suffering. We fear hurting. Yeah. And that's the armoring. That's where armoring comes from. And it, and it comes from. Uh, you know, she talks about a lot, like men, especially women struggle with it in the sense. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent on this side of the train, um, is, is perfectionism, do it all show up, be it all, but don't let it look like you're doing it all. Make it look easy. You cannot make it look like it's hard, make it look effortless, but do it all. Isn't that the truth? It is. And then men though, what, what we trade for that, um, it's, it's our unspoken agreement. Men is, is, uh, Men are expected to show up, be strong, don't feel, don't, no weakness, show no weakness. You cannot yeah. show weakness, you know, like man up, suck it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not show vulnerability. Don't don't right. be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And and so they armor up. They armor up with, um, it's, it is not acceptable for a man to cry, to be vulnerable. And these are, these are armors that may... These are unspoken agreements, but they're straight jackets we put each other in and we keep each other from showing each other our real hearts and yeah. showing up wholeheartedly. And I think when my daddy died, I had to decide, am I going to show up as who I think, as who I believe he wants me to be, yeah. as who the world thinks I should be, or or am I going to do what he actually did and show up as myself yeah. and just be myself with my whole heart? But you can't show up with your whole heart if you don't know what your heart even is because you've spent your life in armor. And so you have to, you have to step back and look at and question yourself. Like what's the story I've been telling myself? What is my armor? What does it look like? Um, and, and it is this belief, like Brene says that we, what, what does she say? What was my armor protecting? It's looking at like, how, how did it serve me? But what is it costing me? And the way she said it best that I love is especially with loss. When I lost my daddy, you can armor up to keep any more pain from coming in because you don't want it to come in. But by doing that, you also are trapping the pain inside of you. Yeah. There's no chance to heal it. The only way to heal it is to drop the armor, get real with yourself about it, get real right. with others about it. But then that way too, it's the only way that you get to show up and shine in the world because your armor may keep the pain out, yeah. but it also keeps the joy out. You don't get to pick the emotions that you're cutting off. You cut it all off or you mm-hmm. cut nothing off. There's no glory without 
like yeah. devastation. Yeah. There's no grit without guts. It's, yeah. you know, they, they go hand in hand. You don't get a pick. Yeah. I find, I, I don't I like think it. you and I have ever talked about this before. I find that you can actually sometimes tell uh, that from people physically. I find it in the shoulders more than anything. If you really? can, you see somebody. Tell, tell me more about that. Yeah, so you'll see it. Like I'm all tense. Yeah, so you, what you'll see is someone who is like you're talking about, armored up, mm-hmm. right? Who's ready for for battle, yes. and they don't even know what they're battling. You see it right here, like in the shoulders. That's really tight. How the did way I they not want. know that you were so observant? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's really good. But, but I feel like I do that a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a. Yeah, when you're when people are stressed, when that happens anyway. But yeah, then, but if you have your armor up, you're almost constantly stressed. Is the thing right? Yeah, so there, sure. it's always worn there. Mm-hmm. And the friends and family that I've had who have sort of made those realizations, somebody who say was an alcoholic, and and realized why they were an alcoholic, and now has shed some of those things, they just walk around different. Mm-hmm. They walk around, and it's in the shoulders. I always find. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I find it like the tension exists in the shoulders. You can For tell sure. all the time. And then kind of just how it is on their face. But it's a physical. Oh, you I can see it. That, yeah. They bring it right about right in here. And and you, when you notice somebody who hasn't, who has shed it, who is like, no, this is really me, and I went through a lot. And I did a lot of self-reflection, and it sucked. And I got out of to this point. They're way more just, they walk around just with like, no, here it is. Like, it's very much in that shoulder area. I don't know. It's, it's something physical, I think. Um, you talk about evolving. Mm-hmm. So you're clearly, you're clearly always working on it, which is always a way to go. Uh, but when, let when. Oh, okay, yeah. I had to stop you there. Just because this oh. is the well, the the always working on it. Um, I wouldn't say that. Hmm. I would say more. I'm holding space for questions, for contradictions, for people to challenge my truths, and and I try to hold space for growth. I think always working on it is is not for me is not what I'm doing because that's striving. There's hmm. a difference between striving and always striving to be better and striving. I'm trying to hold space for truth and to grow because I really, the more I learn, the less I know. Okay. And I realize I really don't know anything at yeah. all. So for me, it's more of I'm um, leaving the space to evolve, knowing that I know what I know right now, but I am evolving. Yeah. And I'm going to, yeah. if you're not growing, you're dying. And it's not always striving to grow. Sometimes it's just being open to what somebody else says or if they challenge you, but, but also being mindful of, you know, vulnerability is not spewing your truth to everybody and exposing your heart to everybody. You find the people you trust, but it's also having people that will give you constructive feedback, but recognizing, looking at them and seeing, do you have blood? Do you have sweat on you? Or are you somebody in the stands that's pristine clean telling me about what I'm doing down here? And what you'll find, and, and this is true, and Brene says it in a different way, but the people in the arena with you that are that are really in there, they're fighting the fight, they're in the arena with you, like my sister here, they, if they're coming to me, if she comes to me with something to tell me something, or, or if I'm speaking something to her, sharing something with, to, with her, they're so busy in their own fight that they are, they will only take the time out to observe and share truths with you that they feel are going to help you and benefit you and are important enough to stop their own fight to walk through with you and to yeah. bring to your attention. But if it's not, they're not going to, they trust you. She trusts me to work out the petty things that I'm on or, or I trust her the same. You know, it's only when something really big, will they pause in their fight and be like, Hey girl, you know, they, you know, one time I even, I remember going over and I was in such a, uh, I, I was surrounded by critics in the stands and I was in such a negative space and I was talking to her and I was like, there's so much anger and, and just in speaking it even. And she was like, it's just not you. And I was like, I know. And, but you got to have people in your life that are going to call you out, but you also have to be respect, like receptive and respect them enough to stop and look again from their perspective and see what they're seeing. And, and I mean, that's built. That's built in, in trust and in time. Yeah. How long did it take you to begin that journey or that that evolution? You mentioned the first year is a haze. Did you find yourself starting to navigate through it then? Or did, did it really take you? Was there an awakening moment? How long did it take you to finally get to a part where you were like, well, I want to start 
making space, as you say, mm-hmm. and kind of looking to grow. And what what does this mean and why is it like this? So I think definitely it was the first year I learned boundaries from, from day one. But I, I did not draw boundaries in a respectful way. But I became so, uh, like, controlling and protective of my space with me and my son because I was healing, because I was so broken. Yeah. I didn't let anything in. Mm-hmm. It was like I had a steel gate around. And if I did not know, like, like with with Bryn, if I did not know you were 100% a safe person, I shared nothing. I cut myself, I cut my heart off completely mm. to everyone um, except for my son. And and even that, it was like to love him and to, to survive another day. It was So your armor up. almost went... You double time, double time. Double time Absolutely, I. I mean, I. Yeah. I was head to toe. Maybe I had eye holes peeking out, and <laughs> and but my son was in there with me, and I was like, I will protect us at all costs because, mm-hmm. you know, his dad was away fighting a war, and I didn't know what would happen with him, and the people around me weren't familiar to me anymore, and there were very few people that I could even. I don't even. I can't even say I let my down my armor with them. I think that I just let them come in. But I never shared because I was so focused on on holding it together and being the strong one and mm-hmm. being all these things yeah. to everybody else um, and just keeping myself from completely losing it. Yeah. And and I and I didn't have I didn't all I had in that time. The, the perk of this is that during that time, that's really when I um, when my relationship with God reached just another level yeah. because I mm-hmm. I had that like that moment and I remember being in the shower and like, you know, when the the winds, you know, when when my husband gets home, when he's here, everything will be okay. This will be okay. But then I mm. I I was in the shower and I will never forget it because I was like washing my hair and I was like, but what if he dies? And then I'm here again. Yeah. And no matter who I put it on, like my daddy didn't leave me. He didn't choose to leave me. Yeah. It wasn't a choice. He was, you know, God brought him home. But if if I put this in a person again, they can leave me whether they want yeah. to or not. And yeah. I'm here again and I never want to be here again. And that yeah. that moment in the shower was when I put Jesus in that role. Because I was like, you are the only person I'm going to that cannot ever leave me. Mm-hmm. Also, you created me. So it makes sense. If you have an Apple phone, I am not going to bring it in here to the office and be like, hey, can you fix my phone? And, yeah. you know, to another person, you're going to take it to the creator to be like, hey, it's broken. Fix it. You created it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's pretty good. That is real good. I love this analogy. So, yeah. So that's when I was like, I quit spinning my wheels there and I quit looking to other people. Um, and I was real, real protective of that time with my son and that time with God and not letting any other voice in, which I think is also not a good thing, but it was the only way that I could keep going at that time. And then the one year anniversary, I finally went up to the, the plots. We had them cremated, but my uncle had a plot and I hadn't gone up. Um, and on the one year anniversary on the day, I went up to the plot and, um, seeing his name on the ground and, and having gone a year with ever, facing every anniversary and um, birthday, Christmas, holidays, without him being present now, yeah. um, I, there was something about looking at his name on the ground and like, this is real. Okay. And that's where the healing began. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, the, the fact that you get so clear and you know those moments actually happen, that's pretty neat. I'm also 11 years into this journey, so yeah. it wasn't, it was not in the moment so yeah. clear. It was, yeah. it's, it's been a, you know, that's the evolving part right. is that your journey becomes every year you walk your journey. It looks different. Every anniversary is different. Every holiday is different. You don't know mm-hmm. and you can't know, but it's an acceptance of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. The he acceptance is what's hard. Yeah, well, obviously, I think in the beginning, right? too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you want to control everything yeah, you, you want to control. Yeah. yeah. And I think I hear this all the time, though, like, before somebody loses somebody really close to them, um, just feeling like we can control everything. We can control our schedules. We can control our kids' yes. lives. We can yes. control um, what's for dinner. We can control yeah. if we're that on illusion. time. Or, yes, that illusion. Yes, and then illusion. I think when you suffer great loss and you you look at like the big picture and you're like wow it's just not even in our control yeah it's not in our control and when you can release that and let let that go of like it's the big picture is not in my control right and accept that because that was one of the hard things i think for me to really finally accept is like wow 
I have really had every day of my whole entire life planned out and mapped out from A to Z from, you know, 6 a.m. till midnight, you know, every day because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person I was. And then when that gets stripped away and that's stripped from you, you're like... Well, you talk a lot about, you've talked a lot about being like the go-to person, like in Mm -hmm. your group of, in your circle of friends, Mm -hmm. you and family, you were like the go-to person. I felt like that was my armor. Right. Before Rowan passed and to have that kind of break down Mm -hmm. and actually get to the core of it. That's so interesting and really tough. I mean, because you really have yourself wrapped up in an identity that you think you built. Yep. True. Yep. And that's been You really believe you're that person. Yeah. 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 And it's so foreign not to be. Right. Well, that's the other thing. That's I where that vulnerability come will yeah. come in, which we'll talk about. It's like weird to ask for help yeah. because I'm the one that gives the yes. help. Right. I'm right. the one that makes all the dinner plans. Yes. I'm the one that makes all the arrangements. I'm the one that plans all the holiday functions. It's okay for everybody else to break down, but not for you. Yeah. Right. Because you're the strong one in the family. Yeah. It's like, no, you can be vulnerable. You can be all these things. But the, the story you tell yourself is everybody else can do that, but I can't yeah. mm-hmm. because I'm I'm the strong one here and I'm the one that has to hold it together. And that's that's a lie that you have to face and look at the truth of it, mm. of, you know, what's the con- what's the story I'm telling myself? How do I talk to myself? Am I talking to myself the way I would talk to Bryn? And the answer for me was no. Yeah. Wow. So how do you so that's what good. would you so what would you recommend to people who are at those moments now where they're trying to maybe build up this type of courage as you're talking about, that is part vulnerability, part recognizing, you know, where your role in everything in the world and all that stuff and, and trying to get to a place where they can be open to people, be vulnerable in front of people. How do people get there when they're experiencing such loss? So do you have any recommendations for people? I think that it's not fear that gets in the way. It's the armor that gets in the way of that happening. And I I can't, I'm so hesitant. And I looked at this question. This is one that I've been, since I got this today, it's one that I've gone over because I'm so hesitant to give advice and loss because I know what the feelings of loss look like, but loss is is such a lonely thing because I am the only person who knows what it feels like to be my daddy's daughter and our relationship and to lose him that way. But Bryn is also the only person that knows what it feels like to be his daughter in the way she was and to lose him in that way. So I, I'm i very hesitant to, to tell other people how to approach their loss and their grief. I know there's grief phases, but um, I did go to counseling. So I can tell you what helped me was um, knowing myself, taking the time to get to know who I actually am. Knowing my values is the single Brene says, if you've got more than two values, you don't have any. Mm. Knowing my values has been the most powerful tool of my life. And it is not something where you look at the list and you pick it. I mean, I took a two-day deep rabbit hole dive into like the core of my existence. Who am I? What do I believe in? What do I stand for? Like, it's not, it's not a simple answer. And Brene has great resources on her website. And anybody who's in loss, I would... I would encourage you if this is if this feels like true to you or truth, um, to go to her website. It's like I think it's just BreneBrown.com or .org, and I oh, swear, you can Google Brene Brown. Yes, and I don't, but but her website <laughs> actually has um, and and she she freely shares the information, so you don't have to pay for it. But she actually has quizzes that you can take that that tell you what your armor is, what mm-hmm. your armoring up is, how to bring it down. So the resources are there That's to, good. yes, to educate yourself. And I would say dive into that. But for me, it all started um, with honoring my hurt the way I was honoring my daddy and, and honoring defined as placing high value or great worth on my hurt. And I think it's something that I really tried to hide, that I tried to armor up, that I tried to protect but in doing so, I lost the value of it and, yeah. and realizing that your hurt is as valuable as your healing and your hurt is also the path to your healing. And but but honoring it and not not hiding it or being ashamed of it or looking at it as a weakness, but but really placing high worth and high value on the hurt that you're feeling yeah. and being honest with yourself about it and and trusted others, not yeah. everybody, but that you know, your core, your, what does she call it? Your square squad, you know, finding your square squad and, and being like, Hey, this sucks, or I'm really actually not doing good. Or even if it's, 
I'm drinking in secret every single night or I yeah. drink all day and I'm worried about it. And those shameful things, shame can't exist in the face of empathy. And Bryn, what you were saying, like nails, Brittany's definition of empathy is empathy is not sympathy is, oh, I'm so sorry for her. I can't imagine, you know, I'm, that would be horrible. That's, that's sympathy. It's, it's feeling, it's feeling for, but empathy is feeling from, it is sitting with you. It's looking your pain in the face with you and not looking away Mm -hmm. and knowing that I don't have an answer and I can't. And I think because of my pain and knowing that, and I couldn't define it like this because Brene, like she says, she gives words. That's what people tell her is like the most powerful thing she's done for people. And for me included, I'm, I'm in this list of people is she gives words to the things we're all feeling that we can't define Mm -hmm. and that I couldn't define before then. But that's what it is, is with Brynn, I was able in that moment when I showed up to do massage to sit with her and Cody, look them in the eye in their pain and not look away from it Mm. and and just be there. And that it sounds easy saying it, but when someone you love is broken and hurting our, our nature and how we want to help is it'll be okay. It'll get better. You know, well, at least, at least you had her, you know, at least you got to experience her. Mm -hmm. Empathy is sitting there and being like, I can say nothing to make this moment better for you. I'm here. And what does support look like for you in this moment? And then doing it, whatever it is, even if it's like, I need you to just sit here with me and let me cry. And then you don't look away. You don't walk away. You don't try to fix it. You don't try to make it better. And you sit in their pain with them as long as it takes. Okay. There you go. And most people don't know what they need. I've realized that too, is like when grief is fresh, I don't think... You know, you're so confused. I don't yeah. think mm-hmm. it's easy to know what they even mm-hmm. need, you know, and just being present and somebody to show up and be there regardless Yeah, speaks for itself. Yeah. Like, that's your support team. Those are the ones in the arena with you. And knowing that they won't be offended if you're like, I really need to be alone right now. Yeah. And, but knowing they've been through it and not taking it personal, you need people in your life that don't take your feelings personal yeah. in the time of grief. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so that was our interview, our very first part interview with the uh, Wild Woman of God Evolving, Tiffany Evans. A great interview about finding courage and and making the comeback um, and doing it in a way, though, that is meaningful, right? Like, right, and yeah. finding yourself. Yeah. She makes me want to, like, really dive in and research and find myself. Yeah. Well, uh, the one where she talked about the two values, right? Mm-hmm. If you have more than two values, you don't have any values. Yeah, clearly I don't. Boy, holy cow. How about that's a punch to the gut, huh? Uh, well, now I have to reevaluate like what my <laughs> right? what my values are. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, she's a, a book of knowledge, is she not? I mean, oh, wow. I could just listen to her talk um, because I do feel like she's wise beyond her years. And you yeah. can tell that she's clearly done a lot of soul-searching specifically after loss, you know, once she lost her dad is when I really think this process began for her and to listen to the confidence she has now and like the courage and the vulnerability it's taken her to get to this place. Mm -hmm. It's um, it speaks for itself. So that's why she's so insightful to listen to because she, she tells you guys that, you know, after she lost her dad, she didn't know who she was and she was lost and she was broken just like we all experience with grief. And, um, 11 years later, I mean, she's, she's literally been one foot in front of the other, just soul searching, finding herself leading with vulnerability and having the courage to move forward. And she's to this place now where, I mean, she's, she is teaching us all. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just look at her when I have, when I've been in my really dark times, she is somebody that I've always been able to turn to. And I feel yeah. like I get um, a wise, thought out answer every time um, mm-hmm. that is exactly what I need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. And the thing about f- people like Tiffany, which is always impressive to me, mm-hmm. is they are never not seeking more knowledge, more wisdom. And uh, there's so many people who walk around thinking like I've nailed it. I'm, <laughs> right? I, I know everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to to be in, in the in the presence of people who know that they can still learn, who know that they can still gain wisdom and evolve and, and, evolve and mm-hmm. always trying. It's really, really inspiring. It's yeah. just really inspiring. And, and to to have for her 
kind of talk about it the way it was almost thrust upon her through her loss that mm-hmm. now she became this other person um, is really great. And it also gives hope, I think, to lots of folks who may feel stuck mm-hmm. as a result of their loss. That You can move, you can evolve, you can gain knowledge, you can gain wisdom. It's really great. She yeah. does just a great job. I hope you guys can hear that in her podcast yeah. because she has been a force of healing for me throughout my journey. Yeah. And I hope you guys can feel that in her, in her story and her sharing, because she really is. She's, she brings me a lot of hope and I hope you guys can get that too. It would be hard not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that is number one. We talked, uh, as we said, we talked today about a lot more about courage. We dive, we dove a little bit into vulnerability, but next week when we, when we sit down with part two of Tiffany, we're going to talk more about vulnerability mm-hmm. And how much that is a strength rather than a weakness sometimes. So uh, we'll talk about that. But that was our first interview with Tiffany Evans. We hope you go out, you, uh, you try to find some courage. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. And we will talk to you next week. 